0: God and Other Delicacies has a weekly newsletter. If you'd like to subscribe, email me at godsdelicateshow at gmail.com, and I'll put you on the list. Hello, everyone. Welcome to God and Other Delicacies. I'm Nicholas D'Augusto. I get to talk to people about God on this show. I love it, I'm glad you're here, let's get into it. Today, I have the privilege of welcoming Jessalyn Gilsig to the show. Jessalyn is an award-winning actor and producer who has had regular and recurring roles on extraordinary series like Boston Public, Nip Tuck, Glee, Vikings, and Scandal among many other projects. She's also a talented voice and stage actor and in fact, she and I met while performing the world premiere of Eliza Clark's Quack at the Kirk Douglas Theater here in Los Angeles. She's a mother, an artist, and a wonderful person, and it's an honor to have her on my show. Thank you for being here, Jazelle. Oh my gosh,
1: thank you so much. What a beautiful introduction. Oh, Thanks for having me. Oh, well, it me. was
0: my pleasure. It's easy to write. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, I knew a lot of these things about you, but I didn't, I went looking, I was like, my God. She was, Do you know, I did an episode on Boston Public. That was one of my <gasps> first uh, episodes. I did, uh, I don't know, like, what seasons, you know, were you there for... I, I, don't know, I was
1: just there for the first two seasons. Okay,
0: yeah. So, I don't know if I was in the first two. I feel like maybe I was not. I feel like I was maybe like episode three or four, but I remember kissing one of the teachers. Uh, like, I went in a... So, do you remember when uh, Adrian Brody kissed... Um, who was it? Was it Halle Berry that was presenting him? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and so, that was like a big thing. Yeah. Like, he like kissed her when he got the award. Yeah. And like so, Boston Public kind of wrote an episode out of that. Oh, I see. And uh, like, I won a music award at the high school. I was a cello player. My character was a cello player, and they paid for cello lessons. By the way, how sweet was that? Amazing. And uh, and then I go up and I kiss, and I forget the actress's name, but but she uh, she was one of the teachers and one of the regulars on the show, and it was like the big that was the big like thing. Like I walked up and was so excited, I kissed her and. It, where there was all this fallout, you know.
1: That's so funny. I, I was gonna, I thought you were going to say, I kissed a student on the show, of course, as a teacher. Oh, yeah. I was well, this teacher. is like
0: something they were doing all the time, I yeah. guess.
1: <laughs> and, I, and I took a lot of showers at the school, too, I remember. <laughs> After school, I was always oh, showering. I was oh, like, Jessalyn. Do I'm, public school teachers shower a lot at school? Yes. I'm sh-
0: but is I is did. This is like one of the many things Lauren that Davis women did.
1: are yeah. finally,
0: <laughs> like people are finally listening to like how odd it is that the things that people have made attractive women do on TV shows for no reason whatsoever. No
1: reason. Just caught so, in the shower. But here I remember we are I once again. This, I kissed this student and then I remember I was walking in New York one day and I thought you were going to say that it was you and this woman stopped me and she said, you kissed that kid. And I said, yeah. And she said, is he a good kisser? <laughs> oh, oh, how <laughs>
0: wonderful. Like, yeah, and how did you good. answer? Yeah, it was, was fine. I, mean, I didn't feel very comfortable talking much more about that. Basically, it was inappropriate,
1: <laughs> but I always remember that. Yeah.
0: Um, I like that you indulged her, though. You didn't like chastise her. You're like, no, he's good. He's fine.
1: Oh, yeah. no, I mean, <laughs> listen, we all, we, we have our we. Have Our public way that we talk about intimate scenes that we do, and then obviously we're human, so sometimes yes, you do feel things. You're not actually dead inside. Were you? um, Were you married at that point when you were shooting the show? Oh gosh, no, 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 no. That was honestly that was twenty years ago.
0: It's insane because that makes me, I mean, I, you know, that makes sense because I was, that was probably 16 years ago for me. So that, yeah. that says that I was probably in episode, f- uh, season four right. or, or right. five, but yeah. yeah, there you go. Right. So you were, you know, you were probably at the beginning of your career uh, relatively, I had just, right? That's what
1: brought me to LA. I had just moved to LA from New York because I had met David Kelly on The Practice. Oh, wow. And then right, he right, did right, right, right. Boston Public that. and that's what moved me to Los Angeles.
0: Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's great. What a great start, man. Yes. Okay. So uh, speaking of starts. The way we always start here
1: uh, is, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Okay, so I knew you were going to ask me this question (laughs) because I listened. (laughs) And so last night I had made a plan to eat a really good breakfast so that I could impress you. Oh my gosh, I love the thought into this so much. And I I also
0: love the fact that you're going to (laughs) fail.
1: Because then I got up and I had to get my daughter ready for school, which you can relate to. Mm -hmm. And there was lunch to make and her breakfast to make, which is different from my breakfast. So I actually ended up having a cup of coffee, some berries... And a spoonful of Nutella.
0: So and the berries, great coffee, I totally relate. The spoonful of Nutella, not I mean, look, I'm not gonna look down on that. It was I'm into delicious. That. I'm so sure it, was it was just was my delicious. birthday, and Very that's European. what my
1: daughter gave me for my birthday because she knows that I love Nutella and I eat it as if it's yogurt. Which it is not, right? Um, it might have protein in it. It has hazelnuts, yeah, and it's, it's nuts and, and but heavy chocolate and the yeah, hazelnuts, right? Yeah. Is the deal? and I okay. love it, and she doesn't like it. So if there's a jar in the house, there's only one person who might have eaten it, and it's me.
0: That's amazing, yeah. and that's one of the rare occurrences where something that would be such a delicacy, and such a delectable treat, isn't like fought after after the child. Like I grew up with, right? You know, I grew up. I was in the middle of five, and my mom would bring home like a box of. Little Debbie's or something. Mm-hmm. And I would grab one, even if I didn't want to eat it right then, and I would hide it in my room and save it. Because sure. my family would the deal was with like five kids, they were gone the minute it was brought home. Yeah, so I, can I only would just imagine. Like,
1: so so you actually you're not feeling this uh, pressure at all for your favorite one of your favorite treats. I have a problem where my daughter is so she's more like you, she's so self-controlled that she doesn't eat any of her treats. Huh. And I have said to her, if you don't eat these, you cannot expect them to be here That's because amazing. i have no self control. Right. So i will for example she still has her easter chocolate sitting on the table and it haunts me and yes. these little bunnies are just staring at me and i'm i'm trying to be a good parent and not break into them but she doesn't care. She's just she i don't know she likes receiving the treat but then actually has no interest in consuming it. You, I, she might not be my child. It's
0: possible. Well it actually gives <laughs> me some sympathy for my mother too like my i I never really paid attention to this, but I did the same thing. You know, we'd get a we'd get a pillowcase full of candy. I mean, when on on like a Halloween, and uh, and I would save all the best ones for some reason. Like my deal was, I would save all the coolest ones, eat the crappy ones, and then I'd forget to kind of eat them later. And then my mother would would eat them. She'd yeah. find she because she knew where everything was in yeah. the house. Uh, she found my, she would often go, like if I wanted to, her thing is like a titch of chocolate, like the <laughs> word titch. I Do not Do you use that word? No, titch? I like That's that like my, word. That's like one of my mother's words. Yeah. I don't know if it's like regional. Uh, but she's like, oh, I'm just a titch of chocolate. This is like her thing. And she would go up and get a titch of chocolate from Nick. and uh, <laughs> uh, But I think, and I don't know if you're, it'll be interesting as your daughter gets older, if you can like, if she can articulate this, or maybe she can art- articulate it now. But I kind of, I'm one of those guys that likes to fast
1: sometimes. Uh-huh. So I
0: actually get like a certain weird psychological benefit from like seeing something and saying no to it. Right. I don't that know control. why that is. I yeah. think she's a
1: little that way too. It's
0: like kind of a power game. Yep. I play with myself sometimes mm-hmm. and I don't, I, I, talking about it now makes me realize that I do it, but it's sort of interesting. I that don't know. is
1: interesting. I think she is that way. She's, in, she's has an, am, mo, more self-control than any person I've ever yeah, met. Yeah, that's extraordinary. Yeah. So maybe when's your birthday? April 17th. Is no. she an April baby? No.
0: All right, well, let's get into, uh, you know, let's get into the easy stuff. Um, How and when were you introduced to the idea of God in your life? uh (laughs) I I am so adoring how I slam into this question with people. And even though you know it's coming, like, Yeah, it just makes me really happy because it's such a I don't know I just this is like a topic. Obviously, I'm doing the show. I love talking about it. Yeah, but I also love that it's like how do you start? You know, I love watching people try to like rev up the machine. Where are you going to start?
1: Well, it's interesting because you know, as I said earlier, thank you, thank you for having me, and thank you for Mm. even inviting this kind of uh, exploration. Because for the past few days, I've really been reflecting on this and trying to figure out exactly where where it sits in me. Thank you. That's beautiful. It's really interesting. It's really it's a nice gift. And I hope I hope that kind of prompts it in everybody because I imagine it's going to be different. As many people as there are, there are that many relationships to this subject. And I definitely have been grappling with this, uh, with this, um, the definition of God versus religion, because The truth is that I don't have the best uh, relationship with any of this subject Mm. because, so my mother was raised Catholic and my father was raised Jewish. And And where
0: are you in the world or the country. I know where you're from. So I'm
1: from Montreal. Uh-huh. My mother came from England. She was born in 39 and my dad was born in 40 and he grew, he was born in Montreal but his parents came from Eastern Europe and they fleed the Cossacks. Wow. Yeah. So, and then anyone who stayed behind uh, perished in the Holocaust. Of course. So if wow. you meet anybody who has my last name they are my first cousin. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot That's extraordinary. And my parents were unique because at that time they met and they fell in love and they decided to get married, and they did neither of them converted. And my father had a deep distrust of the church, which I think was warranted. And my mother has a very deep attachment to the church because she was raised Catholic. She went to, she was taught by nuns. And she was excommunicated because she was not married in the church.
0: Oh, wow, of yeah. course. I mean, of course, because I know that that was the story. But when you hear every time I hear somebody talk about it as like this is the this is the emotional weight that my parents carry, it just brings it home. You know, it takes it out of the history books and really makes it real how punishing the church has been to people. You know, and 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 I know that it's important that we you know, understand that people continue to have... And here's your mother. You're, you're, even though she was punished with this, she still had an affinity is what you're going to talk about. But, you know, nonetheless, the punishment that the church has handed down for these types of transgressions over the years is just extraordinary. I mean, that's exactly
1: on. it. So, yeah, no, but you're, you're articulating... I mean, I was mostly worried that I wouldn't be able to articulate this, but that's oh, exactly no, what right. I'm describing. So my first introduction to God, God in that formal sense associated with religion, was a lot of pain. Wow. Uh, we were... Not for a long time, we were not accepted by the Jewish side of the family, and for a long time, we were not accepted by some of my mother's family. Can I ask a quick question? Uh, So they meet in Montreal. They did. They met in Montreal. Okay. So
0: so they both left for different reasons. Your 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 father's. How young was your father when he left?
1: so my father no my father was born in montreal His he was born in Montreal born okay, in okay. Eastern so, europe yeah so
0: that so so your grandparents left yeah and said okay and then and then and it was the same with your mother your her parents no your no, mother, my mother actually came was to born in, in yeah.
1: the 20s yeah she was raised in london uh so lived through the war which wow. was kind of incredible she was six when it ended wow uh and then my father you know i have a lot of stories of him Raised in Montreal, a lot of anti-Semitism. I mean, we experienced it. We had bomb threats when we were kids. Wow! Because he worked within the French community, and uh, he tried really hard to to kind of bridge into a different world. And we really, we really suffered for it. Uh, wow! So, and then so I, as a
0: young child, you're you're not hearing them directly, but you're. You would hear your parents talk about we've received a letter that says, you know, stop doing what you're doing or or there's a bomb threat or you'd hear them talk about it or would they talk to you directly about it or would you kind of you'd sense and you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to really get into this conversation. I
1: mean, we knew because my dad, my dad is very uh, vocal about anti-Semitism and he's very aware of it and he wanted us to be aware of it because he knew that this was something that we were going to deal with. For the rightfully rest of our so. lives, rightfully so. So I think we were pretty we we were pretty out in the open about it. Wow! Uh, and there was this idea that, in some ways, just by nature of of your of your blood, that you have some kind of target on your back, which is proving to be more and more true. Oh, uh, it's it's there's it's a horrible. major resurgence. Yeah,
0: it's absolutely horrifying that. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a larger concept it's a larger topic obviously but the the point is is that in some ways many people felt that anti-Semitism was dying away right and it and we it were naive not, yeah we were yeah. naive yeah it has re, it is the, the resurgence is just as strong as it's ever been in the sense of how much of the population can still be convinced of this type of stuff it's horrific
1: and so <sighs> there was all this at play from a very young age and then so there was like you say there was this sort of global you know larger outside of our front door tension. And then there was some tension within that home because my mother still had a lot of, uh, I mean, my understanding and it, she would, I really am reticent to speak for her, but I know that she felt a lot of pressure slash guilt. And so she wanted to honor her Holidays, for example, and Easter was a very emotional time for us. And then it was when can we get the Christmas tree? And my dad, you know, wouldn't want it in the house too early. We didn't have Christmas decorations outside of the house. Um, But then we would also do all the Jewish high holidays, which to my mother's credit, I have to say, she prepared and she learned how to do. And we always did Passover and we always did Hanukkah and we did everything. Uh, And my dad, over the years, came to embrace at least the ritual of Christmas as a a family gathering and exchanging of gifts and this sort of thing. But, you know, my mother would want to go to Mass on Christmas Eve, and that would be – it's not that he was angry. He never asked her to convert, but it was hard for him because he had so much pain associated with this church, and she had so much also this hope that she would be – brought back into the church. Right. Well, I was going to ask. I mean, there's so much here, Jess, and this is fascinating.
0: So, like, your mother was excommunicated. Yeah. I mean, first of all, do they send you a letter? Like, what, what is it? I mean, do they, like, frame this and put this on your wall? You are excommunicated from the church. Like, what? how do you even receive that information? Because I, I know that I don't know that how that she exists, got it, but I but know I... that
1: she can't take communion. So, like, she would go—would it, they know you think, well, like no, but you know God knows. Yes, right. right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing that it's like I've never actually thought about this because I've never met anyone that was even one degree away from someone who had been excommunicated. Because nowadays that that's such a, an antiquated uh, term. I mean, in some ways I kind of felt like excommunications were done, they were like over being done like 300 years ago. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of forgot that this was something that was still living with us just a generation ago. But you're saying... Your like your the fam like the church knew that she was marrying a Jewish man. And she didn't get married in the church, and they they said you're no longer allowed to take communion here. Yeah, you can be like a basically you can be like a lay a, a kind of foreign lay person. You can sit in the church you if come. you want. Yeah.
1: but you can't participate. But you can't participate. Wow.
0: And And she was,
1: she remained, did she remain devout her entire life to God as a Catholic God? She's so torn up about it. Wow. To this day. And interestingly enough, she, and this is where I think I get to this, this, what's interesting to me is that at some point, as they got older, they both went deeper. They've both gone. They're still alive. They've both gone deeper into their attachment to their faith. Wow. And my mother got to a point where she got really stressed. So it makes me emotional, that she had not been married before God. Wow. But she couldn't they couldn't marry in the church. So they went to our rabbi, who was a reform rabbi, who had married my sister, who had married my husband, and he said, I'll marry you. So my parents renewed their vows for wow. their 40th wedding anniversary because my mother wanted to be married before God. Wow. Isn't that wild? Yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, and at least she can share that you know, Judaism and, and Christianity share the same God. Ultimately, yeah. so she could feel okay about that because I she's still she being married felt by a rabbi. In some
1: ways, that 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 the at least the Reform Judaism had been more welcoming than her church had ever been. Sure, uh, but she still will go to church. She'll find opportunities to go. Wow! It will sometimes stress my father. It's a it's. Still, they are a very happy couple and they're a very intellectual couple and they talk a lot about things. But this is an area that is so charged for both of them. And I think as they get older and they look more towards, you know, a, a, the later chapter of their lives, they are stressing about this relationship to God.
0: Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: That's fascinating. I, that's
0: a wonderful way to put that. They're like, they kind of realized they couldn't ever solve it between them. So they had to go further into their own relationship with God to, like, make peace with it. Yeah. Living sort of, living together but separately on this issue. Which they always have. Wow, yeah. that's
1: really, this is absolutely gorgeous <laughs> stuff, Jessalyn.
0: Thank you for coming
1: in. Well, thank you. Like I said, I was nervous in a, a little way because I knew that it was it was loaded for me, but I also I also thought, oh, this is kind of an opportunity for me to try to kind of figure out this puzzle because it's such a big part of my of of who I am. The odd thing is that the price of it in a in a way is that my sister and I, I have one sister, we had nothing. Right? Because neither parent could influence us. My mother was never going to invite us to ask for us to be christened we were culturally jewish i would say and i identify as jewish i feel jewish a lot of j- jewish people will tell you that i'm not jewish because right. my I mean, mother's but, not jewish uh, right but i feel that's not an up affinity. to them right frankly
0: yeah. you know some people would say that it's up to them if they're you know orthodox or something but but you know kind of frankly screw them like you get to identify the way you identify
1: well it's interesting um our Lovely friend Dan, who yeah, hopefully oh yeah. you're going to get Dan to Bukatinsky, speak to. yeah, who,
0: who who will be on the show eventually.
1: So yeah. when we were do, doing the play, all of us together, it was Yom Kippur, and I used to fast on Yom Kippur. But then uh, my sister, whose mar- whose husband is Jewish, when she had her second son, when they had the Bris, I was asked to I was the godmother, so I was asked to carry the baby into the into the um, into the Bris and the rabbi came up to me who was a woman and she said you can't carry the baby you're not jewish
0: amazing i
1: know and really devastated me and so i had said to dan look i don't fast anymore because i've been, you know i don't i don't know where i sit and dan god love him and i won't tell his story but he said listen it's not up to others to tell you who you are you decide and anybody who looks at—he was saying it at his own profile could presume to tell him who he is and who he isn't, but he wouldn't give up that power. And wow. that was really beautiful. That was one day in rehearsal. He, yeah. he really shifted my my perspective on that, which was kind of amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah.
0: Has, it, has it made you—so I'm sorry, so how
1: long—how long—, how long I missed something. How long were you not practicing, or, did, or so? Let's say my nephew was born, you know, twelve years ago. Okay, so for yeah.
0: twelve years, you you no longer pra- you I stepped just away didn't from sort of fast. practicing any I of that. Coincidentally, Passover. your child, uh, your daughter, is twelve years. So, so yeah. your so your child's been alive. You know, her life has coincided with uh, this step, this one further step away from practicing. Right uh, in the synagogue. Yeah. Right yeah, and but what you're saying is in the last year, you might have had a turn back towards understanding a way that maybe you would practice again in the synagogue. Have you started to practice again a little bit or go attend a
1: service? so i I I dance around this all the time. I've considered converting before. I uh, have considered joining a synagogue. So then the other thing that I struggle with, Is that I don't, because of my own experience and because of just the way I feel about the world, I don't like anything that tells you that everybody in this room is chosen and everybody outside of this room is less than. Right. And I don't care what room you're in. I don't respond to that message. And that is a message that occurs really in any house of worship that I feel I've ever been in. Yes. So that to me has been what has caused so much suffering in my own family is this idea of this side of the table is chosen, this side of the table is not chosen. So I'm always in this sort of dance with how much I really want to participate and how much I don't. And then ironically, I don't actually feel that any of this for myself has to do with God because for me it has more to do with a kind of cultural affinity and a a kind of respect and an honoring of my family and of how they've suffered, how they suffered, and always wanting to be sure that I'm kind of standing in allegiance and and kind of providing the example to kind of combat any kind of uh, prejudice that Mm. is obviously... Ongoing and continuing to build, so I don't want to abandon the identity because I think it's really important to be honest about it and to and to represent.
0: You're speaking specifically about Judaism. Yes, I mean that's because that's not really a Christian burden anymore, right? Right. You know, maybe at at one time, certainly those of us that I, you know, as I say, I was raised Catholic. We can all identify with you know there there was a time when Christians were thrown to the lions and things like that. The time is a long time ago. Right, You know, that was you know, in 300 AD or something, Constantine sort of makes it the, the universal religion, but the, Jew, the Jewish people never got that. I mean, and, it's and I just had uh, Jeff Astroff, I was telling you a little bit about this, yeah. on the show last week, and uh, this is a man who's also raised Jewish, uh, both parents Jewish, and and very, very, very deeply uh, resonates with him that he is one of a, of a few that are paying allegiance, you know, showing their allegiance to their cultural identity and the importance of keeping their way of life alive. And it's interesting that you feel that to some extent, you know, you, you feel it actually quite a bit, but you're still struggling to figure out how that works. Having been the child of people that were already one major step removed. Mm -hmm. So now you're another generation. So you're one more step removed. Mm -hmm. How are they going to, how are they going to impart that type of that type of devotion to you. And so now here you are struggling to find it in your own. And yet you feel this, you feel a strong identity, like almost a sense, do you feel a sense of purpose uh, that maybe you really need to, it sounds like you're trying to articulate how to find your purpose with it in your day to day.
1: I do feel, I do feel a sense of purpose and I do feel responsibility Uh, to share it with my daughter. And so we do the high holiday, you know, we'll do Passover. We'll we'll do the high holidays. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about our family history. We'll talk about my father's experiences and, um, and we'll talk about world events because I do feel exactly as you're saying, it's really complicated because I don't know how much of it is actually spiritual Mm. and how much of it instead is like, you're saying this kind of responsibility to keep the voice alive because, because it's so the, the, the image is so distorted that's
0: okay everyone uh we're going to get to listen to Jessalyn's phone call oh my gosh. i'm not quite Blessing. sure
1: who who is it who do i get to talk to i booked it that's so great oh no <laughs> <laughs> great
0: call you were just about to say that you want to you want to impart this to your daughter mm-hmm. um and and you, you you're not quite sure i mean the key here that's so interesting is that Here we have—this is no surprise to anybody that is Jewish or has Jewish friends or Jewish relatives that the line between being Jewish and being a devout Jewish uh, religious participant is blurry because, you know— The identity is so strong that you're Jewish, whether or not you believe in God. There are many people that will come up and say, I'm Jewish. One of my dearest friends will say, Mm -hmm. I'm Jewish. Mm -hmm. I don't really believe or I don't go to synagogue, Mm -hmm. but I'm Jewish. And I would never, I try to kind of say that sometimes, like I'm Catholic because I kind of am culturally Catholic, but not in any way at the level of that. And that's what you're sort of trying to articulate for yourself.
1: Yeah. I I, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think, I wonder, I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe this will come through as you have these conversations, but there, you know, one of the things you talk that a lot of Jews talk about is uh, survival, survivor's guilt. Yes. And I feel that that's a little bit a part of it is I am so aware of my family history. I am so aware of how my Bobby what what challenges she faced and what she had to endure and so i can't just abandon that identity, right. having known that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her, and that I know there were so many forces that worked so hard to make it difficult for her to to bring a family into this world and to to have us find you know success and opportunity that that was there were actual material forces that were trying to stop her from accessing that. I'm the part of her family, so you can't just throw that out the window.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. Uh, it's a perfect place to take a break. We'll be right back. All right, everyone. We're back with Jesselyn Gilsig. Uh man, uh it's what a great opening. Jesselyn, you've given me so much <laughs> to want to ask you about. Um and you've been so beautifully articulate. I really appreciate it. Um, Thank you. So, there are so many questions I want to ask, but the one I'm going to jump off with now uh is when you met your husband. Uh you're you're divorced from him now, but when you met your husband, um Did you go through the uh, similar experience, uh, you know, in the sense that was he in any way powerfully one direction or another as far as religion is concerned?
1: So. I've never even really put this together, but now you ask the question. So my uh, ex-husband had the same history uh, as i did which is to say that his mother was christian and his father was jewish how fascinating yes
0: i mean i just not a surprise i guess because you have such an understanding but but continue yeah and continue. actually
1: from exactly the same you know eastern europe and then uh before the war and then his mother's of uh british and irish descent wow even that yeah amazing yeah and so uh but he converted Uh, So that he could be bar mitzvahed. So when he was 15, uh, I think, no, I guess 13, sorry, he was, not only did he convert, but he converted in a a conservative ceremony, which he would talk about a lot, because I think it was quite intense. Uh, so, So he
0: made it, was it a spiritual decision, or did he just want the presence?
1: No, yeah. <laughs> I think it was his dad. I think his, his dad his father, wanted him to be bar mitzvahed, and but you couldn't be bar mitzvahed. I mean, this is the thing idea with my daughter; she can't really technically be bar mitzvahed unless she's actually Jewish. So he has to actually become Jewish so that he could be bar mitzvahed.
0: Right, and you're, and, and then of course, not to mention how his mother feels about this. Right, this is a whole different thing. But there are yeah. all these complications. You can have later. him on the show if you want.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm ambivalent. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue, continue. <laughs> uh, but no. So, so, but actually, funnily enough, I, uh, I, I hesitate to, to, these are kind of delicate things to talk about, but I have always been more comfortable dating people who are Jewish because as my mother put it, which is so interesting, my mother, who is Catholic, said to me once, I hope you marry Jewish because I never want you to be at a table where you're not accepted.
0: Wow, man, it's just so painful, um... It's fascinating as I now in back-to-back um, interviews here have you know people being so beautiful and sharing the pain of what it means to be Jewish and the the feeling of outsiderness that you live with all the time.
1: It's uh, it's interesting for me as well because um, people often don't assume that I have uh, any Judaism in me. So I hear a lot. I right. mean, I hear subtle anti-Semitism. All the time. Oh, fascinating.
0: From right. friends. I didn't know that you identified as Jewish or uh, were Jewish. Right. Uh, you know, it's not something that you just ask people. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so there are many people I'm sure like My that. My name
1: is kind of ambiguous. And so, right. uh, but I hear friends of mine will just make these comments, little stereotypes, little digs, little concepts. And you'll say, gosh, it's just, I not I have to say, you know, it must be that people are just raised with this prejudice that it's just sort of built into our culture and it's so present. And it's, it actually does make you feel like you say that there's a, that there's sort of this ever present that, you know, how quickly will this turn into something real? Right. Uh, wow. So funnily wow. enough, my, right. that's right. how my mother felt. Having seen how we were not accepted as kids, she thought, well, you have a better shot, at least, <laughs> if you marry Jewish. So we, my sister and I both married Jewish. And uh, I definitely wanted to be married in a Jewish ceremony. And we were, and we were married by the same rabbi who married my sister to her husband, married oh, my parents. Yeah, right. You, me- yeah. you mentioned this earlier. It was all wow. the same thing. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. It was amazing. He came out to California and he did the ceremony. Wow. Um, and, you know, I think for my daughter, uh, I think she does take comfort in the fact that we both identify as... Jewish uh again it's confusing for her because she's not really Jewish but still it's so that's, culturally but, who we are
0: Boy I mean so you you both you, you were married in a Jewish ceremony you're both Jewish you yes. converted mm-hmm. uh, you are not you'd never technically converted no. but you uh but you would have had to
1: convert for your
0: for your daughter to be bat mitzvah Yes Is that what that was Yeah so, I would have to be Jewish
1: for her to be Jewish or at this point I think she would have to probably she would have to convert And then her bat mitzvah is 15. It's actually 13. Oh, 13. (laughs) But but, but listen, the the reform synagogues, I mean, I have friends who have similar profiles to mine. And they, you know, again, it's like anything in life. You can kind of do whatever you want. I mean, you can have a party and say it's a, you know. But if you really want to honor the tradition, then there are certain, you know, obviously specifics. And she's
0: 12. And she's 12. So is this something that you're like, are you like considering converting this year so that you can like bat mitzvah her like in a legitimate Sort of setting because you've just had also re- referencing the Dan, the Dan thing like yeah. maybe you've had a new rebirth in
1: this. I oh I about every two years I start exploring this question. Wow. We she and I have talked about it because originally I think she she really did want to have a bat mitzvah and I said I'll figure out how to make this happen for you and then I had a conversation with her and I said look the way I understand the bat mitzvah is it's some, you know, it's moving into adulthood. It's, it's, it involves a lot of preparation and there's a ceremony involved and there's a lot of the ritual that I, that I really like. I said, but I do want to kind of introduce to you the fact that it is, that you will be using the word God and there's the cultural relationship to the religion, but then what is the spiritual? And how do you feel about that? And what do you feel? And do you believe in God? And do you want to believe? You know, and so that... Right, the declarations of
0: the bat mitzvah are not... They're no joke.
1: Yeah. You're not just saying I mean, like, is, hey, I'm going to do my chores and be a responsible adult. You're actually creating a relationship, talking about your relationship to God. Yeah. This and, is the,
0: the equivalent of like the Catholic confirmation, which is what I went through. But anyway, exactly. So I, re- I remember this.
1: Yeah. And it's certainly, you know, when you go through it as at, at her age, now you're a conscious, you know, not a five-year-old, you're a conscious, uh, independent thinker. And so I said, you know, this is just a dimension of it that you and I haven't explored and I'm fine with whatever, but I just want to know how you feel about that. And that overwhelmed her. Wow. Because it's not something that we talk about. And before I came here, I, yesterday, she and I were driving and I talked to her a little bit about this and I asked her, what do you believe? You know, what do you think? Do you believe in God? Uh, Because it's not, again, you know, you were raised with this Formal relationship and this almost—I'm assuming—an assumption that there is something, someone.
0: Oh, for sure. You're talking. I mean, yeah. I was super devout as a child. Right. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And my parents are very, very devout. My mother was Lutheran, but converted to Catholicism, and then my father. To this, I mean, to this day, their 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 Catholicism is deeply important. I mean, it's almost impossible to separate my father's faith from who he is. I, right. I would say it's impossible uh, because he feels it so strongly. So that type of presence in my life was very strong.
1: That is so foreign to me. Yeah, that's I interesting. I have absolutely no, nothing. I mean, I feel I don't, I don't it, although we, I talk all about this idea of this, this cultural identity, I have absolutely zero... Even, like, I don't even think there is anything. Yeah. Nothing. Wow. I really, really, and I don't mind. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. Right. So, I, you, so you
0: sort of, uh, sorry to interrupt, uh, no. but no, you identify sort of as an, essentially as an atheist uh, in a sort of brass tacks sort of definition of your relationship to God. Right. But your relationship to your to your your Jewish heritage mm-hmm. yes. is, um, is very... Reverend, you have a deep reverence yes, for. Yes, yeah. So you have this spiritual reverence for the relationship to the struggle of of the the, the, the Jewish history. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, which is and
1: there's a lot I like about the Jewish faith. For example, um, so i I think when you I think when you grow up with an awareness of Jewish history, you have a um, a kind of uh, distrust of any kind of worship of somebody as if they're chosen by God. I don't like that idea. Right. I think that can lead to a lot of problems. Yes, absolutely. And what's interesting in the Jewish faith is that everybody is a scholar, right? It's all about the study of the Torah. And the rabbi is just somebody who has truly devoted their life to studying the Torah. They're the ultimate student. And the premise is that you are supposed to question, that you are put here to constantly question and to explore. And if you've ever been to, like, a Passover Seder, they're fantastic because it's just all about questions. Why, why, yeah. why, why? Yeah. And getting into that idea of—I of, love that. That to me is important. That to me is—I is, is I trust that because it's freedom to explore yes. ideas. Um, so,
0: yes, I love that, uh, about, um, uh, again, there in, in, like in any religion, there is a, a, a spectrum of fundamentalism to, uh, liberalism. Of course. With, with the way people relate to it. Uh, I have many friends that are fall very much further on the reform to not even identifying in a sort of synagogue sense, but, um, but absolutely like the idea that there is a sort of you know the, the core the core difference between Christianity and Judaism being that the Messiah has come for Christians and the Messiah never came and so like or has yet to come yeah. for for Judaism and and so like inherently you're like when are you gonna come you know right. like what does it mean that you haven't come right. you know, and then it, it inherently means that we're, waiting, searching in it. we're searching we're searching that's right yeah that's right. and, and then, that and that to me is to me I identify that with my personal growth as like that is. God to me is just the search the question the mm-hmm. love of talking to people about all the different ways that we relate to what it means to be human versus what is what is the other mm-hmm. the divine. So mm-hmm. anyway that's that is I I derail a little bit I suppose but mm-hmm. the point is is that you talking about what you love about the Jewish religion is mm-hmm. is this questioning.
1: Yes. Yeah, and I and I uh or the search. The search and just and the free actually it's more the freedom, the fact that it's safe to ask. Yes. I think yes. that's good, so good, important good. that it's safe to challenge. And certainly, you know, once you have a child as you know, you never want to think that you're putting them in any kind of it, you know, I don't I don't relate to the idea of shaming her. I don't relate to the idea of her having been born in sin, just by her mere presence. None of that resonates with me. Um, And I think because it's, it's such an odd thing because my parents do believe in God, and yet they never taught us about, they never introduced God to us. And I don't believe in God, but I really believe in life. I really do. I feel yeah. like this is enough. Yeah. I feel yeah, like that's beautiful. this is, this, maybe this is what everybody's talking about that, you know, you know, the love that you have for your child, you know, the beauty of that, you know, when you see, a, you know, anything, I believe in matter and I believe in, I believe in what I can feel and what I can touch and what I can see. And it feels to me, it feels, if this is the one go round, it, I think it might be heaven.
0: Yeah, oh man, and that's fantastic. That's even
1: with all the suffering. Yeah. You know, that's even with all of it. I can't really believe that there's a higher power that's manipulating all of this and creating all this suffering. But I believe in life there's that, the, you know, even that there's just beauty within the actual, the, the mere fact that we have the privilege to actually exist.
0: I mean, that's just so lovely, Jessalyn. It's so beautiful. (laughs) And then I I feel a lot of uh, connection with that. And I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, at the risk of becoming too, like, meta about the show we're doing, I I think that, you know, I would find it, I I imagine it's difficult for anybody to argue that that's something they also celebrate, right? Mm -hmm. Even whatever spectrum of, of devotion you feel to your particular faith and creed how do you argue with that beautiful sentiment you know mm-hmm. um, and I wonder how many people can also articulate that for themselves and and wonder how that fits inside this larger structure but you've clearly have an extraordinary you have an extraordinary beginning for formulating this on your own because you had such a disparate, um, upbringing in that way, so I
1: think that's what it is. Is because everything else has seems to have cre- created so much conflict within my family, and it was all this investment of something that none of us could see. When in reality, what if we were just enough? And what if that was? What if? What if there wasn't? And we, we all we had was this moment. Yeah. How would we behave differently?
0: Oh, all right. Let's take the break right here, and we're gonna come right but That's just like such a perfect way to end this moment. I don't want to try to. Let's just go out to the music. (laughs) See you in a second. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, It's our last segment here with Jessalyn. And, man, I've had such a good time talking to you. So, um, I... I want to ask, you just sort of so eloquently talked about your relationship to your heritage and the paradox you feel between having such a reverence for your heritage but not necessarily having a reverence for a god-like being— I do just out of curiosity. I feel like maybe that you've already answered this, but do you pray? Do you think about an afterlife? Is that th- are those things that I, I don't? Th- I feel like you already answered the afterlife question, but do you have ways that you what you would call prayer that maybe are not a typical prayer?
1: I have had moments in my life when I have. Uh, I can think of. Um, I mean, I think I've done everything. For example, you know, I've definitely gone into a church and I've lit a candle. I've made wishes. Right, you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> I make wishes anytime I blow out a candle, that sort of thing. Yes, yes, I do too. Uh, So I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, uh, and the only time I've really thought about it is I've certainly had moments in my life, dark moments, when I've wondered if anyone's, watching and if anyone cares. And Hmm. uh and I in those moments I have sort of tried to see, you know, sort of said, I'm I'm here, I'm available. I'm, Hmm. you know, do you want to come and you know, does anybody want to engage with me? And uh and looking for a sign if you feel like dropping one my way. There you go. Um to no effect. And uh I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. It's not that I it's not. I'm not a cynic at all.
0: I don't get that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, not I at all. Not really the way you just spoke about it. Thank
1: you. No, I don't. I don't feel that way, and I'm not cynical about other people believing. I. I and I understand why belief would be so helpful because you know, sometimes life, it defies. You know, the 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 suffering that life can give you. You know, can seem cruel, and can be so lonely. And the idea of hoping that there's something something greater than yourself that that might somehow be be aware and and in some ways holding you Uh, I can absolutely understand the appeal of that I just don't feel it I really feel you know I remember working on a show once and uh the the other actors we were sitting around a table and they were talking about uh you know you know how people say things like everybody everything happens for a reason yes
0: oh yes and
1: no everybody comes into your life for a reason and I was sitting there and I thought no It's random. Yeah. Life is random. It's the, You can draw lines after the fact if you like, but I feel I feel there is no force that is in any way. I feel that it's random. I feel that it's science. I feel that science unto itself is spectacular. Mm, and I, agree. I just don't think that anybody cares that much about us. I think we should care that should be enough. Mm. It should just be, it is enough for me and I really don't feel that I would hand over that responsibility. I feel like it's
0: mine. Do you feel like, uh, knowing that, do you feel like there are things that you, deep impulses for creation or for, for even for travel or something that you feel because you, does it give you more of an immediacy to live your life in a certain way? Do you find yourself living with an, you know, does it bring you a certain type of immediate awareness to life? I feel like that's one way that, that people, I think, certainly can celebrate the idea of not looking toward an afterlife you say it's about here and the now. Yeah. And so how do we make the here? Well, you and know, now? when
1: we did the play together and you're you're doing a play every night and you're down in Culver City and mm. a few hundred people have come and the rest of the world is going forward and it's really not that important in the grand scope of the universe. And yet when we're in that theater and we're telling that story and we're creating that escape for people, and we're entertaining them, and we'll hopefully we're, you know, we're challenging them, but but maybe the best part is that we're actually entertaining them. I mean, mm. every time you would draw a laugh from somebody, you feel like you that there was this gorgeous connection that had happened, and that has meaning, and so I think it's a part, I've always thought that no matter where I landed in time, that I would be an actor, mm. that to me that has a timeless uh, kind of um, purpose, mm-hmm. because that idea of storytelling and connecting with people, and cre- I mean, there's nothing that, that makes me happier than when people say, oh, you entertained me, mm. you know, you gave me, you brought me joy, or you brought me reflection, or you brought me uh, just an experience that to me, that seems to me incredibly meaningful and brings sort of texture and, and meaning to life that, that I... That is satisfying to me.
0: Can you locate the beginnings of that as a child? I mean, did your did your parents did, did you find yourself? Entertaining your parents at different times? Yes. Or did, were you... I was
1: always that way. I was always uh, becoming different characters. And I would leave the house and say, when I come back, this is my name. And <laughs> yeah, I oh, ve- yeah, I was great. Yeah, Treat me very... differently. Like, yes. I'm going to be the character. Don't visitor. act like I'm, I'm a not guest. the character. Yeah. Wow, how wonderful. Um, and I really, really wanted to die from consumption. <laughs> I was really determined. So whenever I was sick, I would want to, like, be on the couch and have my family come around and say goodbye to me. <gasps> oh, wow. It was very, very dramatic. But and I read a lot, and oh my I just gosh. I love. And all your parents those. and
0: family entertained that. You have, so do you have one great. sister? I have one, one sister. Oh, I'm, I'm sure older. she
1: was long suffering. I mean, I don't. I'm sure she was like, oh god, here we go again. But my parents were very sweet about it. My mother was very, very, very nice about it. Um, wow. As Halloween, I only ever went as an old lady. That's all I've ever gone as. Really That's bizarre. I Always an thing. old lady. Yep. I went the same thing every year. It, 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 okay. So <laughs> is it because you
0: identified what you wanted to be? Is do you have a sort of connection to death in a way? Like, do you? I mean, you sometimes have a my friends of... will tell
1: me that I was sort of born old, you know. I mean, I yeah. think I can be. I like, you know, I certainly like, an old soul. You've heard
0: an old soul, I kind guess. Of thing, maybe that's it? a nice
1: way of putting it, uh-huh. you know. As opposed to just <laughs> Your friends are lady. like, you've been elderly for
0: <laughs> a very young age. Sometimes
1: I wonder. <laughs> um, I don't know, I don't know, but um. But yeah, I always, always... I mean, from the time I was a child, I was begging to be an actor. And then I had... I remember we had this typewriter... You probably don't know what that is. But I'm familiar with typewriters. I've seen them in museums. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a typewriter. <laughs> and I would type these things of, I know I'm only six years old, but I really want to be an actress and nobody will listen to me. And so by the time I was 12, I was, that was it. I was already auditioning and I was working and I was, and I never stopped. Wow. But I was determined. I just wanted to entertain. I just, I remember that feeling of being in a space which is so funny because I, for example, I do like going into houses of worship. I think it's what I love about what I envy about people who do have that in their lives is that it's so there are so few spaces you can go into in the world that aren't about consumerism, mm. right? You go into a mall, you go into a store, you even, you know, any kind of space that's just built for reflection. And I do feel that in a theater. I feel as though... There's something that happens, and you had to be there. And if you weren't there, you missed it. Yeah,
0: I, I, I feel that way too. I I um, I I really resonate with that. I, I uh, but of course, it's about the subject matter. You mm-hmm. know, at a certain point, if I you know I, if I was going to mass or something, and then the priest started you know talking about some politically charged issue. Yeah. Uh, then all of a sudden, I'm turned off. Yeah. And I. This is not a moment of reflection for me. This right. is a moment of now. This is political. Um. And that's. Those are the the traps of being in a place like that. But in a place where you're in the theater, you can be political. You can be reverent. But everyone understands from the get go that this is a place for. <sighs> Gosh. Now that I say that, I mean. It's going to make me reflect on mass a little bit more. I'm going to have to get more. I'm going to have to articulate this more. I'm not going to spend the next ten minutes talking to myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but but it's interesting—is where you and the you and the content intersect, right? And that's so personal.
0: Yes, I think that what I think the point I'm getting at is, um, you know, the priest will speak from a from a place of uh, authority. And yeah. in the theater, we speak not from authority. We all know that this we're not authoritarians in this regard. We're presenting ideas right. to you. And most likely, we're presenting, at the very least, two opposing points of view. Right. And oftentimes, many more than that. But um, it's up for you to, to understand what that what you witnessed and, and have your subjective viewpoint on it. Whereas the priest gets to uh, totally dominate the discussion and no one gets to respond. And I resented that.
1: Yeah. Know. That's that's what I'm talking about. The idea of of it being I'm unpo- this is this is just a concept. Now you ask questions, right? I like that, you know. Right. And your questions are what will actually expand the 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 subject and the and the ideas, as opposed to this is already a fait accompli. This is I'm just handing this to you as a as a package because. The, we who are, who are we nobody knows who are we to, who do we no, no one's the authority right you're not the authority I'm not the authority and I don't authoritarians like would over, argue with that I don't like handing <laughs> over that power. I don't <laughs> trust know. bad things happen bad Certainly. things happen well documented all well throughout history. documented, <laughs> horrible yes. things happen when people start to tell you that they know better
0: yes. Oh, Jessalyn, good stuff.
1: <laughs> so, I, I this is going to be a bit of a like, um, or
0: potentially a bit of a pullback on sort of the the uh, the weight of the subject matter, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. It might surprise me, but I, I I wanted to ask a little bit more about your mother mm-hmm. because I wonder have you found ways to keep alive a sort of reverence for her side of the religious. Experience, um, even though you, so I can see it on it's your face. You're like, yeah, this question. is. a good question.
1: It's yeah. I, I struggle with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we definitely do the. Hol- you know, I mentioned at the beginning. You know, I give my daughter chocolate on Easter, and we and I'm very uh, deliberate. That we will talk about what the story of Easter is because mm. I think it's important to honor and recognize. You know, you know, this isn't just about going to CVS and buying. You know, some MMs. This is really, this is meaningful to a lot of people. And uh, I want her to be educated on what these different belief systems are. I feel bad about this because I feel my mother, in some ways, is alone in this. And I don't feel any place in the church. I don't feel accepted in any way. If I go into a church, I think, I'm just I am meditating on my mother all the time. Mm. And I feel that there is such a weight on her. And I feel for her because I, I would like her to feel a lot of what what I'm assuming she once had, which I'm I'm assuming she once, you know, felt safe. And from what I can tell, she doesn't. Mm. and yet it is her identity Mm. and that's fascinating to me and she feels a deep allegiance to my father like just the other day she's a very good friend who's quite religious and invited her to come to it was kind of like a like a prayer circle kind of thing and my mother wanted to go and she said you know to my dad not like is it okay do you have permission but you know are you comfortable because I'm gonna go and he said yeah just promise me you'll leave if they say anything against the jews mm. which of course she would but it's always there
0: yeah wow you
1: know so it feels like this and then there's her children and like i said i mean the fact that she could be raised in the church and say i hope you marry jewish because i don't i know that there's a there's a realistic possibility that if you sit at my family's table they will never truly accept you wow I know it's her it's own kids yeah it's
0: it, it's an extraordinary oh man, it's amazing what the constructs of religion, the kinds of emotional and psychological weight that people live with, yes, by growing up in all of these disparate structures, you know where these are these are the ways that the modern. Our modern minds are trying to grapple with these yeah. ancient traditions. Yeah. How do we keep them alive? And then In how what do we ways stay do we connected? Keep them? Yeah. Because
1: what it gave them, what, you know, when you do grow up like you did, I'm sure you had a community. I'm sure you had friends that came out of that. I'm sure your parents found support within their marriage from their community or from their priest. Or Absolutely. You know, so if we, if we completely reject these these structures, so to speak, then do, and we become just purely individuals, then, you know, can we still maintain a connection and a level of support? I mean, why did I want to get married in the Jewish ceremony? Because, I mean, ironically, when my daughter was born, I took her to a naming ceremony at the synagogue Mm. because, and I remember thinking, it's not that I want God to see her. It's that I want a community to see her. Mm. I can't be the only one who sees her. Mm. I need her to be, I need others to know that she's here.
0: Wow, what a beautiful, and yeah, it's beautiful. And there's, and what you're articulating is that you can have these things without the the burden of certain heavily religious points of view if you don't want them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and yet at the same time there's pushback from your community mm-hmm. that says, eh, you really maybe we really shouldn't give this away to you unless you do some things you for us commit. here. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, I didn't baptize my child. Okay. Um, and I, I, I think that was hard for my parents. I imagine it was very hard. I, I, I mean, I know it was, but we, there are certain things we haven't really articulated on that deep of level. I'm sure. Um, because it is something that you don't want to hurt the other person for their their way of being. But you're at peace with that. I'm at peace with it, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, my feeling is that um, I can't ask my son to do anything that I don't believe. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's no value to be gained from putting my son in a religious upbringing if I can't talk about it at home with any sort of reverence, you know? Mm-hmm. And my, uh, this is why I don't have any resentment to my father or mother for for putting me through religious upbringing. And of course, I got a lot of my schooling. I like who I am as a person and my life is inextric- inextricable from the upbringing I had. But they were totally believers. Right. They, they are believers. The walk. They walk yeah. the walk. They're yeah. and generous, kind, loving, community-driven people like many, many devoutly religious people are, Christian, sure. Jewish, or whatever other religious um, structure you identify with. Of course, there are hypocrites. Of course, there are people that aren't. But, you know, I am not that. I can't live that in any way that feels good. So this is so... And yet at the same time, you, you do... There was a feeling of... Gosh, I was talking to my wife. I mean, should we have some sort of baptism? Mm-hmm. You know, should there be some sort of gathering, you know? And so I understand that impulse. Yeah. Because there is a... Because because the the birth of life is still mysterious and how can we not be reverent about that? Right. You know? Oh, Jessalyn. <laughs> I just think you came in and absolutely nailed it.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: just knocked it I'm out of so the relieved. park.
1: this is? I thank you. I oh. appreciate you saying that because I I really didn't. Like I said, this has all been bouncing around in my head since since day one, and I've never ever ever actually actually figured out how i've never even talked about it before
0: it's so beautiful thank it's you. clearly you you're so articulate you i have such deep thoughts on these things and you have clearly evolved to such a such an advanced place of understanding your thank position you know. with it and your relationship to it and i just cannot thank you enough for coming in and sharing it
1: thank you for creating the opportunity That's oh awesome.
0: man uh and thank you all for listening i'll see you next time